Thank you for listening to this podcast message from Stowe Presbyterian Church. This message was given by Pastor Bob Stanley. Well, last week we were talking, we've been going through the book of Romans here, and we talked about how God works through all things. And that when he says he works through all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, that all things really means all things. And that's hard sometimes because God even works through the painful and difficult things in our lives. And sure enough, on cue with VBS and everyone being around this week and people just reached out to me, you shared with me how God has worked through all things. How maybe you had a serious health problem at one point, but that helped a, a child a friend, a neighbor, a grandchild, where maybe they got insight through that and you were able to say to someone, hey, you know what, you need to go talk to your doctor because I had that and it turned out to be this and that, you know, in some cases could even have saved someone's life and, you know, that may have been a hard thing for you, but it was a blessing for someone else or maybe you went through difficulty in your marriage and your relationship and God used that to bless someone else and help them and to strengthen them and to create healing and create greater understanding and, and you know, a, a stronger marriage for someone. And just the way you went through something difficult in a work situation and someone else, you saw them head down that road and you stopped them and said, hey, hold on, I know what's going to happen. Don't, don't do that. And so how God really does bring blessing out of pain and difficulty, and it's really amazing. It's not always easy when we live here in a sinful world. Tough things happen and Sometimes, though, it's hard to see that God is at work still and that he'll even use those hard things to make us more like him and to grow our faith even through the hard things. And if we're honest about it, we go through a lot of difficult things. We all do. Just the other night, Mandy and I were after VBS. We went and visited with uh, Mary Edna and Terry Taylor. I know Mary Edna's here today or was here and Terry's been in the hospital. And I, I shared with him, I said, Terry, I'm sorry you're dealing with a lot of difficulty because I'm going to have to have a shorter sermon this week because of the kids singing and everything. And he smiled and looked at me and said, well, pastor, if you really love me, you can do another one of those when I get here just for me. <laughs> Maybe your level of painful and difficult is different. Terry's going through some hard things, but it was, good to, it was good to laugh with him and share. But, you know, as we share, as we look briefly this morning at God's word, we're going to see that not only does God work all things for good, not only can we endure with God at our side, that we can have joy as the kids had this morning, that we can even have a good laugh, that God uses us. He calls us together to show us that in the heart of all of this, as we've looked from Romans chapter 1 all the way through Romans 8, as we've gone through this passage by passage, that God really is at work. Who can draw us together? Who can change our lives? Only one. Only God. And nothing we encounter in this world is more powerful than God's love, than God's grace, and God's mercy. So we're going to see all of this packed in, all that we've been looking at in the book of Romans. And don't worry, if you haven't been here, this is all going to make sense. This is a reminder of who God is and what it means in our lives. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. What then shall we say to these things, to all the things that God does for us? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You've probably heard this passage before, or at least you've seen part of it more than conquerors. A lot of times athletes write that somewhere. Maybe it's on their, their tape or wristband or on their shoes or something like that, this idea of being more than conquerors. And Paul takes all that he's taught in the book of Romans, all that we know of God's truth of the gospel, that Jesus Christ came, the good news that he came to save sinners like you and me. And Paul takes all of that. He begins to ask these kind of reflective, these questions and answers. And he says, what do we say to all this stuff we know about God and Jesus Christ? What do we say to all these things? He sums it all up. God's a God of mercy. Yes, we see wrath and pain and injustice and all these things but yet Jesus Christ comes freely to give us love and mercy and righteousness. He comes, he pays the price for our sins. He lays down his life on the cross. And we know that we need that redemption. We know it in the world around us, but if we're honest, we know it inside of us too, don't we? Just yesterday, my beloved children and I were having a misunderstanding. Those perfect angels that I have. And my son decided at 21 to tell me that I didn't know what I was talking about. I know that's never happened to any of you. And so I turned and said, son, God's grace is here. I said, shut up, you turkey. I know what I'm doing. And he said, no, you don't. And darn it, he was right. We all need God's grace. We're sinners. We're sinners. We're adopted, we're welcomed, we're loved. We've been learning about that. And because God sees Jesus when he sees us, there's no condemnation. This process where God redeems us despite ourselves, when he changes us, that we can even stop and say, God, I'm glad you love me even though I'm a sinner. So what do we say to all that we know from God through Jesus Christ? We say nothing to oppose it. We don't argue with it. We don't oppose it. We say, yes. We say, thank you. We say, amen. So be it. More of that. God, I, I need more of that. The gospel is good news. And sometimes when we're at our worst or we're at our crabbiest or whatever it is, the one thing we need to stop and say is, God, I need more of you. I need you to come and to restore me. And I need to slow down and take a minute and say, God, I need more of you. What shall we say to all these things? What do we say? God wants us to understand. This is a deeper question. This is about who we truly believe God is. Is he really the God who is over and above all things? Is he really out there? Does he really exist? Does he really love us despite some of the stuff we see? And do we really know who we are? That's this whole beginning segment of the book of Romans. Yes, Paul's been saying to them, hey, None of us are righteous, not one of us. We're all sinners, we're all broken, we're all hot mess, and it doesn't matter who you are and who you look down upon, 
you are not perfect either. So are you going to keep pretending you got it all together? Are you going to say, God, yes, thank you, amen. I need more of that. I need more of you, and I need less of me. And Paul's been saying, you need more of him. What shall we say? This isn't about how we feel. This isn't about just what we think. This is about whether in the depth of our heart and our soul do we really believe we're sinners who need a Savior. This is going back to Romans 7, that chapter where even Paul, the great hero of the faith, says, hey, everything I want to do, I don't do it. When I get ornery, when I get mad, when I get out of line, when I sin, and I don't think anybody knows, but I know. What do I do with it? How do I deal with the hurt that sin causes me? How do I deal with the hurt that I cause others when I sin? In our world today, there's this belief you can do whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. And there are no consequences. I don't need to tell you guys, that's a lie. It's perhaps the most popular lie in the world today. I can do whatever I want and no one can tell me otherwise. Yeah, that may be true. You can get away with it. You can do whatever you want, but you're still going to have consequences. I'm amazed at how we think we can live life our way. And that sin doesn't have consequences. When you sin and you sin big, it's like a bomb that goes off. There's a blast radius around it that doesn't just hurt you, but it hurts the people in proximity to you, in your workplace, in your family, in your marriage, your friends. The greatest lie we have in the world today is that we're not sinners, there is no sin, and we can do whatever we want. There is no right, there is no wrong, there's just what I like. It's not true. And so do we recognize that we are sinners and that we need a Redeemer, that we need a Savior? And if we do, we've got nothing to say to refute that in the depths of our heart. We say, God, thank you because I keep messing it up. I need more of you. I need less of me. Friends, in all my years of studying God's Word, in all my time as a, as a pastor, I can tell you that I'm still a sinner. And everything I do, everything I do that hurts the people around me when I'm a sinner still just like you, I don't suddenly become magically a better person, but I become so much more deeply aware of my need for a Savior. And I think that's what we see in God. God's word, even Paul, he's trying to get them to understand. Even later on, he says, hey, I'm the chief of sinners. And he's saying here to the Roman church and to us, you need more of me. You need more of me because you can't do it. And so Paul continues on with these phrases, and he says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And the answer in God's word is, no one, no one. This is playing off what he just said. This doesn't mean that if you are a Christian, you get whatever you want. This is not some lever to get God to give you everything. This means when you recognize who you are and who God is, and you recognize you need more of him and less of you, when you recognize he loves you even though you're a sinner, even though you mess it up, he wraps his arms around you and he says, I am with you, you can get through anything. Do you believe that today? 
Do you believe today that God is with you? That if you seek to follow after Christ, even though you're going to mess it all up, but every day you're going to get up and say, God, today belongs to you. I know that I can't do whatever I want. I know that life has consequences. I know that I'm here for something greater than getting a bunch of stuff. I don't know about you. I'm at the point in life where I'm trying to figure out how to, I'm about to throw it out in the street and just pray that somebody picks them up. I'm not sure they will pick it up. How many people are sick of stuff, right? Yeah. It's just the way it is. But God says, if you are willing to give me everything, he says, I'm going to take you through this life and I'm going to do more with it than you could ever ask or imagine. There's no greater power than God's power. There's no greater truth than God's truth. And his spirit is with us. We've learned about that. Nothing our world declares is going to be right if it defies what God has spoken as truth. I've been watching a documentary on World War II. told you guys I love this. World War II in color by the BBC. It's amazing. Our generations now don't understand what facing evil really looks like. I got to the part where they're getting into Poland in 1944 and the Allied forces, the American and Russian forces, discover the Nazi death camps. At least six million Jews are exterminated because of their heritage, because they're hated. And if you're like me, or if you ever study this in school, you have this moment where you, you look and you say, how can intelligent, rational, capable, modern human beings do that? Sure, not all of them knew about it, some of them didn't know, and some of them opposed it, but many of them did it, and agreed with it, and went along with it. How does that happen? How does the Nazi genocide of Jews happen? How does Pol Pot kill everyone in the killing fields of Cambodia? How do those things happen? How, did that, how does that sin happen? I see shades of that hatred and that violence against certain people, the labeling of people happening in our world today, and I'm afraid of what we want to do. How do millions of Christians face annihilation in the world today, just this week in the news. In Libya, Christians are not being allowed to be buried in cemeteries because of their faith, even though they're being tortured to death in prisons. In China, 24 churches were burned to the ground and broken up, and all their members were carried away and are now being tortured for information on other churches so they can be eradicated. In Algeria, where Christianity is technically legal, Christians are being fined and taxed heavily. Pay attention, America. To the point that their churches are no longer able to operate. Why is this promise, the Roman church had faced persecution, why is this promise in God's word? Because God is for us when others are against us because the world's broken by sin and God is the antidote. He's the opposite. We need this reminder in God's world because there will be times when things will stand against God's truth and we have to be willing to speak up like Dietrich Bonhoeffer spoke up against the Nazis with the atrocities they committed. And God promises us when those times come, who can stand against us? If God is for us, who can stand, who can be against us? 
no one. Why? Because of who God is. God loves us. The one who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, he will give us all that we need, all things. God always has and always will give us by his grace. Beyond who we are, beyond what we believe, God's going to give us everything that we need. But we don't live that way. Here's something to learn this day. It's like this. I had a friend that won on The Price is Right from one of our churches. She went on and won, okay? So let's just pretend you go on The Price is Right and you win. You win all the money on the wheel. You spin it twice and get, was it $10,000 or whatever it is? Has that gone up yet with inflation? I don't know. I don't, I don't get to watch a lot of Price is Right. I'm sorry. So you win on the wheel and then you're like a dollar away from your showcase. So you win both showcases. When I was a kid, I always wanted to showcase with the dirt bike and the truck and the boat. And I always felt bad for the person that got like the living room with the wall-to-wall carpet. <laughs> Did you guys ever do that? I grew up in the time of like chips and the Dukes of Hazard, So like, I'm like, I want dirt bikes and quads and jet skis and stuff like that. And like, and uh, Broy Hill furniture, you're like, boo, you know, that's what I always, but my mom was always like, oh, that looks nice, you know? And I'm like, oh, okay. But you get it all. There's no compromise. You get the living room, the carpet, whatever, the dinette set, and the dirt bike and the pickup or whatever. You get it all. You win it all. And then you're on your way out of The Price is Right. You got all your vouchers for all your prizes. And you see Drew Carey, who knows Cleveland Rocks, by the way. The great Drew Carey's there. He's a nice guy from what I hear. And he's out there handing out water bottles. And they're really nice, like hydro flask water bottles, like the one I got. And, and you're like, ooh. That's a really nice water bottle, and I, I was a contestant. I mean, I already won, and I, I, probably shouldn't, I probably shouldn't ask Drew Carey for this. But you go over, and you're like, hey, can I have a water bottle? And Drew Carey looks at you, he's like, dude, you just won everything. You were, you were on the show, of course you can have a water bottle. Why not? Sometimes when we face hardship in our lives, when we face pain and difficulty, we feel like God maybe isn't really going to give to us, or we feel like maybe we haven't performed well enough and we don't get what we've learned all the way through the book of Romans. God loves us because of who he is, not because of how well we've performed. And Paul's reminding us, if he gave his one and only son, is he really going to hold back that one good thing that he knows is good for you, that you know is good for you? This isn't about you wanting a million bucks or wanting everything your way. This is like, God, you know, do you think that God's not going to bring good even out of the hard stuff? If he sent his only son to lay down his life freely, Jesus said, I'll do it. Is he really going to hold back anything from you? Anything. I think sometimes we live like that. We live like maybe he is against us. Maybe he's not going to give us all this stuff. Maybe he doesn't want to love us. I love my kids. I'd lay down my life in a nanosecond for them, even when they're ornery. Really? But what would I love so much that I'd let my kids lay their life down for it? That's how much God loves you. That's how much he loves you. He who did not hold back. And if God loves you that much, he says, nobody can be against you. No one can bring a charge against you. No one can bring that accusation against you. See, this isn't about just if you've done something wrong. 
This is about when you've done something wrong and deep down inside you say, God doesn't love me. This is about when you say, I'm not worth being loved. This isn't just about when someone says, hey, you're bad, that's bad enough. This is about the deeper stuff when you say, I don't deserve to even be alive. When you've messed up so bad, you don't even know how to put words to what you're feeling. When Satan comes and accuses the depth of your soul and you feel like life is so bad, you can't go on. God reminds us that he is the one who decides what's right and wrong. And if he sent Jesus Christ, his one and only son, because he loves you, he's the one who judges. He's the one that tries. And when Satan comes to you in the quiet of the night and tells you you're not worth a thing, God says he's not in charge. It's like this idea in law. You guys know the idea of double jeopardy. Once you've served time for a crime, that particular crime, you can't be punished for it again, right? Now, if you commit the same crime again, you're in trouble. That happens. But if Jesus has already paid the penalty for your sin, you are no longer condemned. No matter what someone else tells you, no matter what the devil tells you in the quiet of the night, no matter what you hear, God wants you to know he loves you, he's with you, and you belong to him. He paid the price for you, and you are not able to be accused, you're not able to be prosecuted or convicted again in that spiritual sense. In your heart and in your soul, whatever you feel like, God says, no, you belong to me. So Paul says, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. And more than that, the proof that God was with him is he was raised up from the dead. And now he sits at the right hand of God the Father and he's interceding for us. What this means quite simply is, imagine if you're trying out for the part in the school play or um, the starting position on a sports team, you're uh, in the musical and you want the lead, you want to uh, be first chair in the band, whatever that thing is for you, uh, to be the big exhibition, the art show, whatever you're into, your stamp collection, I don't know, whatever. And the one person who decides, the judge of the whole thing, is Jesus. And he's the only one who knows what a hot mess you are. Nobody else knows. You've got, like, Johnny Cochran, I don't know, you've got the best defense team in the world. You've got, like, the Ray Donovan fixer kind of guy. Like, nobody knows you're a bad person, like you're a mess. Everybody thinks you're awesome. Just think about pretty much any politician you've ever known. You get it, right? That's you. You're good. Hey, you're smiling and waving and kissing babies and all that. But then you see who's the person that decides whether you get it. But yet in your heart, you're, you're, you're giving your heart to Jesus, you know, but you feel, ah, I, I can't get this. I know, I, know, I know who I am. I know my shortcomings. But instead of Jesus saying, well, you know what? You know me and I know you. Thanks so much. You're like Marty McFly in Back to the Future. They cut off the band, they throw you out, you're done. No. Instead of that, Jesus is going to the other judges and he's advocating for you. He sits at the right hand of the Father and he says to his Father, yeah, God, they belong to us. We love them. They belong to us. They're yours. They're family. They're adopted. They're brothers and sisters. We're the family of God. And he's going to the Father and saying, yes, they belong to you and I want you. I'm with you, God. And I came and I died for them. God's elect. For those specific people, I died for you. In fact, they, they get it. They're in. They got the part. 
That's what it means to know that Jesus is on our side. And so Paul says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? All these horrible things you experience, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, combat, sword, whatever it is, whatever hardship. Paul says, whatever you think you face, whatever God's people have always faced. He goes back to Psalm 44. If that's where this verse 36 is actually Psalm 44 in the Old Testament. When God's people were being driven out and persecuted and destroyed. And God says, no, I'm even going to use that to bring you back and call you closer to me. Throughout God's entire word and his history, all he's saying is, whenever you face hardship, even when it seems like everyone's dying all around you and the end of the world's come, he says, no, you're not just here to be slaughtered. I'm not writing you off. I am not condemning you. Because the who in God is on your side. And he says, no, in all these things. The verse we all like to skip to. You come through all the hardship, you come through all the pain, you come through all the injustice. He says, in the midst of all of that, he says, no, I love you. I'm with you. And when you don't get what you want, maybe it's because what you wanted is not what you need to get. And when you go through hard stuff, maybe I'm doing it to draw you back in to know me. And he says, in all these things, you will overcome, not because of who you are, but because of who I am. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Who can hold us back? Who can defeat us? We're not just going to win. We're going to conquer. We're going to win more than a little. We're going to win a lot, like the Cavaliers destroying the Warriors after they had a 3-1 lead in the finals. That kind of winning. Wow, everybody's forgotten the Cavs already because it's the worst team ever. I'm still a fan, people. Come on. It's like the Browns fans before the season starts, right? We're going to do it. You're not just going to win. You're going to conquer. And Paul sums this up very easily. He sums this up. He says, nothing means nothing. Look what he says. I am sure. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, things present, things to come. Powers, height, depth, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This isn't about you. This is about Him. And what Paul wants us to see today, what this whole passage is here to remind us, is simply, do you believe it? When he says you're saved by Christ's righteousness, that you're transformed by God's patient loving, that even the hard things, even when you sin and it hurts, that God says, I'm even going to take that, and if you will confess and come back to me, I'll bring good out of that. Even when you try to run away, I'm going to come find you. Even when you face uncertainty, even Christians around the world who are facing death and persecution, he says, no matter what, no matter what you endure in this life, no height, nor depth, no power, no thing you've ever seen, I love you and I'm with you and I'm going to redeem all of this world. And that means he's going to redeem you and I and the depths of our being, the hurt, the addiction, the pain, the suffering, the abuse maybe you suffered that only you know about, whatever that is, God says, I am not giving up. Maybe you need to give your life to him today. Maybe you've never done that. I'm here if you want to talk to me about that. If you want to pray as we close here, you can do that. All you have to do is say, I'm a sinner. God, I, I can't get this together, and I, I need you. 
I want that love that you promised that you'll never leave me, no matter what I face, no matter how far away I feel, no matter how hurt I feel. He says, God, I need you. I know you're with me. And he says, I am. Nothing will separate you from the one who loved you first. I like what R.C. Sproul says, there is no greater state than to get up from your knees knowing that God has forgiven every sin you've ever committed. That's the God of Scripture who sent His one and only beloved Son for you. And that's what it means to know the who to transform your life, the one and only Savior of the world. Let's pray. God, for all those this day who are hurting, even as we pray every Sunday, I think of those that are in pain, God, for those who are suffering, Lord, I think of Christians around the world who are being persecuted. God, we know that there is persecution around the world on a scale that we've never seen before, even though we don't always hear about it. But yet, you promise in your word that nothing, nothing will separate us or them, all of our brothers and sisters in Christ, from you. So God, be with them and be with us, that we would learn what it means to stand on what's right, even when others say it's wrong, that we would learn to love others even when it's hard. God, that you would have more of us, that we would know today that if we have not given our life to you, that all we have to do is say, God, I can't get it together. I'm a mess and I need you. I'm a sinner and I need you to come into my life. I need you to take control. God, I can't get it together. And I keep blowing things up and hurting people I love. God, I need you to just take control and I need to start again. God, that if there was someone here this day that they would make that their prayer this morning, even in this time. That they would know the who who changes life, the one and only Savior and Redeemer, God of the universe. God, be with us, that we would know what it means to follow where you lead, that you will guide us through, that we don't get whatever we want, but we get whatever we need, and that you will help us to conquer all things as we follow you throughout this life to the life yet to come when you redeem all things. God, be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.